there's a almost like a mini earthquake. There's a big tremble in the ground. And with that, I think we will have Nick roll for our cliffhanger. Alrighty, the cliffhanger, D20. Uh, 10. Ooh, okay. All right, yep. 10. Uh, God intervene. All right, so. Huh. This shaking, which they kind of attributed to the dragon, they thought it was the dragon beginning to stir and wake, actually is. The the clouds turn blood red and part, and the the very dragon god that these cult members pray to comes flying, darting out, nose pointed, diving at the party, and they can see in its eyes that it it's not happy with what they are doing. So, with that. Nick, which way does it go? As this great draconic deity comes sweeping from the clouds, blotting out the sun, it all kind of snaps into place for a lot of, for for basically everyone on that mountaintop. April 2 realizes that this this dragon, this blue dragon that she was going to banish, that was going getting rid of that dragon that was going to send her to her eternal rest was not the end goal. And she realizes that she probably shouldn't have taken the word of two kids who just overheard their parents in another room she comes to the realization that she probably didn't have the full story. And as this gargantuan dragon lands atop the the mountain and the cultists, including the girl's parents, filter out of the brush, all wearing robes that are dyed the color blue as this dragon scales, muttering and and chanting, tears of joy just rolling down their face. They knew that ultimately all, all along, all they needed to do was get April to the top of the mountain, and the god would take care of the rest. So they are ringed, by these these barobid chanting cultists. The girls are terrified. They have no idea what's going on at this point. It's uh it's all kind of flown off the handle for them. And the god lands, reaches down, and ever so daintily reaches for the sword that is is plunged into the 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 skull of this desiccated dragon and with lightning speed that you would never expect from an undead or a furbolg even a live furbolg for that matter 
but she just happens to be close enough to the sword. April two reaches out and, and grabs her sword. It fits so perfectly in her hand. It's like she's been missing this appendage for decades. It's finally home again and it feels so comfortable and she grabs it and yanks it out and stumbles back. And even though the girls got her into this situation, she feels kind of protective because she she does understand the fact that the girls, they meant well. So far, she she's operate, operating under the assumption that the girls wanted to make things right. And if... If the god is reaching for this sword, if the sword is being plucked from the dragon's head anyway, she might as well have the sword herself. She rips the sword out, comes out incredibly easily, like it was just sitting in in silk. She she plucks it out, pulls it back. It immediately begins to glow a, 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 a yellow-white light as the, the magic between her and this sword ignites. And she she steps back, and as soon as she steps back, that desiccated corpse begins to move. And a front leg steps up, and another one picks up, and there are flakes of skin, there's dried grossness just dripping off of this thing, but it's still moving, and it's getting up. And it itself is animated by by essentially the same magic on this island, whether it's from this this god that is now with them or what, April 2 and this dragon have so much in common. So the dragon sits up, and even though this the, the corpse of this dragon is big, it's a very big creature, it, it pales in comparison to this other dragon that is big looming over this mountaintop. It's like in a video game when there's like a a boss that stands up above everything else. You only see basically from belly button up on this thing and it's standing further down on the island proper. And it's just kind of surveying them. It's watching to see what's going to happen. And as this undead dragon comes back to awareness, it sits up and it eyes the girls, including April too, with a just a malevolent hunger. But there's there's a modicum of control there. It's obviously not going to start attacking them. It's clearly waiting for a sign. And before anyone can say anything, before the god can do anything or say anything. April 2 holds up her sword, uh, defiantly holds it up, and screams, saying, Come, dragon, let's finish this. Let's end what I started decades ago. One of us, if not both of us, will die tonight, but we'll both be going to our rest. And she takes a, a, a confident step forward, and for... A brief moment, there's more life in her than there's been in a very long time. It's She's finally gotten her purpose back. And she, she books forward, she charges in, and very deftly 
does a few rolls. She starts humming under her breath and she's glowing and the, the sword starts to glow even brighter. And with some very quick moves, some very quick slices and dices, the dragon is shockingly hamstrung. She's cut tendons that are, are actually a lot easier to cut now that they're exposed. Now that there's no meat on the bones, essentially. So she chops, she does a quick job of chopping this this dragon up. And even though it's not officially smoked and dead, it's it is it, it's not long for this world, and she could very easily easily finish it if she gets the opportunity to. And seeing this happen, the cultists are all all gasping and shocked. And the god, the draconic god, he won't put up with it. He he lets out this deafening screech of stop. And there's thunder and lightning and the winds whip. And I think this is a good place for our environment role. So Matt, why don't you give us that role? Okay. That is a 10. Another 10. The floor gives way. Okay, we've seen this before. Yep. All right, also with the cult, oddly enough. Yes. All right, so with that rumble, the air resonates and rips through, and everybody is it falls to their knees, and the mountain itself rumbles, and bits and pieces of this kind of this mesa, this tabletop that they're on, start to fall in. And they can see that the mountain, what they've treated as a mountain this whole time, is is actually hollow. And as bits and pieces fall in, it's not a full, complete collapse, but there are huge cracks. People are falling in and scrambling out of the way. And the the bits that the girls are on seem to be fairly safe, but they did just watch the kobold drop right next to them. He He plunged down screaming my god and uh and we'll we'll pass that on to matt with the with the impending collapse it seems like there's nowhere to run at this point there are cracks and openings all around and the the three girls just look over at uh, at this dragon god and he just his lips are curling into a sneer as he sees these uh, these creatures that have revered him from uh, the moment they set foot on the island, just continue to tumble inside the mountain. Most of them mortally wounded um, as they they reach the bottom. As they uh, as the girls feel a a tr- another tremor. Um, in the the earth below their feet, they realize that their their time is up as well. And um, acting proactively, April two grabs the blue scale and realizing that it is it's fairly large, she puts both of the uh, the younger girls onto it and then climbs aboard herself as they ride the uh, that scale down into the depths of the mountain 
toboggan style. This doesn't mean that they are unhurt. They are they're definitely uh, uh, beat up from the ride down. It wasn't smooth sailing. They're passing by falling cultists left and right. Just broken limbs and just severed bits of, of body are, are just falling all around them. Uh, but they come to the bottom, or what they assume is the bottom at least. Hundreds of feet into the earth, and they see what looks like a temple in the interior of the mountain. It is, it's very dimly lit. Just, there's, it's an unnatural light. It's not coming from any fire or or torch or anything like that. Just a, a kind of a glowing, a glowing sphere, I guess, in the it, that's just kind of hanging above them, and it's it's throwing a lot of deep shadows. But what they can see is eggshells all over the bottom of the of the uh, the floor, and they get off of the of the scale kind of dust themselves off you know make sure that nothing is broken and they're they're able to move around and then begin to search they're they're looking through the eggshells looking all around them to see what exactly what exactly they have to have to do to get out of here they definitely don't want to die in this place they don't they don't even know what this place is and as they're looking down they see all these eggshells they all have things painted up upon them. Different scenes are not all the same. They are very similar, creating almost an apocalyptic patchwork scene throughout this temple. As they begin to pick their way through all these eggshells, they hear just scurrying around in the shadows always on the edge they they can never really make out exactly what it is but it's always it's always there they hear the cracks of the eggshells under under very large feet but they're they're not sure they don't know what it is they can't no one has a light spell that they can cast or anything like that so the only thing they can do is continue to press on weapons at the ready and april Two just holds the the sword out. She feels the power within it, and hopes that that innate confidence that it gives her is is enough to keep whatever's in the shadows at bay. They move on through this this temple and come to a very large, very steep staircase. They can kind of smell a uh, a bit of fresh air coming through. And they're hoping that this will eventually lead out to the uh, to the surface, so they can figure out what happened above them. The main idea, obviously, is to get above ground and stop this this evil dragon god before it can lay waste, as all these uh, these eggshells have shown them. But at this point, survival is key. And as they begin to ascend this staircase, the the footsteps get closer just this this crunch crunch of of eggshells the ground itself is shaking as the footsteps are are nearly upon them 
And as they turn, they see this large blue dragon right behind them. It's obviously not the dragon that was on pinned to the top of the mountain, as that one has already been been very well slain by April. However, it it brings this this glimmer of memory to April 2's eyes. She's seen this face before. She knows this creature. And she looks and under the belly there's a little patch bear patch that where a scale should be. And Brando, why don't you give us a battle roll? I did not see that coming. That's terribly exciting. Okay. 20. Clean kill. Hey! Whoa! Alright. Nice! Cool. Okay. <laughs> well, this is going to be easy. So, with that, and that gleam of of recognition, April holds up this scale, and as she does it, the little kobold comes running out of the darkness. Somehow he survived, but he grabs that scale and <gasps> shoves it into the, the dragon. Right in the exact spot it should be. And April brings her blade down into the skull of that blue dragon. And with one final agonizing scream, it falls to the earth. And the ground begins to shake with with the, uh, the weight of this creature. Brando, go ahead. So as the creature is falling and dying April 2 feels her own release at the very same moment and all the memories are coming back and the story basically unfolds itself as to why everything is happening right now so she gains a vision in her head of first she comes to realize she comes to uh now know that the dragon on top of the mountain it was it was a decoy put in place by this draconic god because this god did not want it to be so easy to for anyone to get to this dragon the god had wanted this dragon to remain undead as well because the way in which the gods of the different races and and whatnot have access to this world is through portals. And if there is not one of their own in this world, there is no portal. So in keeping this dragon stowed away but undead, it was still technically alive and in this world, and the portal was always still open. So he always had access. Again, this came to light, and she now realized that this was what would what she was to fulfill was to close this portal so that the dragon races, the evil dragon races, which follow this particular god, 
would no longer have access to this to this world and all within it would be safe as she comes to realize this and she she looks over at the other two and sort of gives them just a, a very confident nod all she says now is all will be well as she herself begins to dissipate and turn to dust now she is gone and the dragon itself has has done just the same has dissipated into a pile of dust and nothing more and this prophecy is fulfilled the sword falls to the ground and the other girls Carla and April they pick up the sword and try to make their way out of this mess so they they are moving through uh, this sort of cave system with it shaking all around them and rocks falling as they can hear the the draconic god screaming uh, in anger and and pain as he's now basically been found out by all of the other gods above for his his treason they make a mad dash through the opening back to where they were the the, the large clearing where the the decoy dragon was and they of course have to kind of make their way along the edge now because the the uh, floor had given way the majority of the floor had given way so as they make their way around there being as stealthy as they possibly can so as not to alarm the uh, the dragon god of their presence they go around and they finally find their way to the fork at the top before they had decided to go the long way the safe way and in doing this they they've now made the decision to go the fast way because they can't uh, they just can't afford to take their time they have to get out of there and with that we need a roll for the resolution okay d20 for our resolution roll a three it was all a test oh man okay so the girls make it down the mountain and they are met by the cult the dragon god the blue dragon and april too everyone is still there i'm excuse me still alive and now they are all wearing the same outfit they are all wearing blue robes with a painting of a golden dragon scale on their chest. Uh, they are obviously very puzzled. They thought that all of these people in front of them 
were now dead, but they are in fact not. So as they stare in bewilderment, now there are many other gods that begin to sort of appear through mist, sort of just lined up behind this group in front of them. And they now are even more confused. And Nick, you can take it from here. So, as you said, they're just completely gobsmacked. And godsmacked, even. If I could remember any of the songs that Godsmack sang, I would make a reference here. They have no clue what's going on, but they feel kind of terrified because the one person that they did trust, whom they thought they saw die, is now smiling and on the other side with the people that they were sure were bad guys. The dragon, the draconic god that was great and giant and and looming over them up on the top of the mountain is now a much more reasonable size. And that god approaches them and kind of kneels down because he's still pretty gosh darn giant. But he kneels down and says, you did good. You did better than we expected. And that that's we're we're really proud of 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 what you did to stop us and he stands up and kind of pats them on the head and they're just still just completely floored so they don't say anything and then april 2 steps forward with their parents kind of just behind her and they're all kind of chuckling like like they know what's going on and those poor naive kids are are completely lost and april april expla- starts to explain that it was Yes, in fact, all a test that they 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 needed to see how resourceful and how potent these girls could be, and in doing so, they were essentially training them for what is to come, and it turns out that yes, there is in fact a draconic cult. And they do want to cause the apocalypse, basically. The the, the dracop dracopolypse. I don't got dracopolypse. But it's it's not these people. It's not the this god and, and the gods behind them. They were basically this was the first step into getting these girls into introduced into what is to come. And the girls are starting to understand exactly what their parents and April 2 are saying. And they're a little miffed at first, obviously. They've, they, they realize that their whole lives, they've essentially been living a lie. But because of that, because they were so immersed in in this cult life they see what the danger could be or will be if they don't succeed and they spend the next few years training and 
doing espionage and 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 infiltrating into the cult to do essentially exactly what they just did as kids but now as adults they've made their way into this this doomsday cult to stop it before they can raise and summon the true evil dragons and i think we'll leave it there it's a good good yeah. right right where my mind went when we rolled it was a test that the two young ones were chosen ones to be protectors and that they needed they were too young to realize it on their own and they needed the help of you know this this uh council i guess yeah, I couldn't I couldn't think of anything other than that for it was all a test. My mind went to it was all a test and they failed the test. Oh. So it rooted out the infiltrators. Yeah, that's even better. So a test by the cult essentially? Yeah, basically, to see who the who's who's the spy, you know. Yeah, not even necessarily who's the spy, but just do they have the chops to be a part of the cult? Where the weak link is. Well, yeah, when the chips are down, are they going to help or are they going to get in the way? Yeah. And if you're going to get in the way, then you can't be in the cult. Yeah, sorry. That could have been a, a much more uh, sad and gruesome ending. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, we could have we could have, you know, taken it to their parents having to... to kill them or something along those lines that, that would have been quite a sad story right there Ooh, maybe they find an eggshell with a picture of them being killed by their parents yeah yeah that was that was that was cool i like that story yeah i like that story that was a little different than what i i guess i don't really know what i expected I certainly didn't expect that much of a twist, though, at the end, I yeah. think. Yeah. We got to the, the mountaintop a lot faster than I, I expected, too. Yeah. Which I yeah. like, though. I it, it kind of put me off at first, but I, I do like that we kind of, we got, we got right into it, you know? It yeah. wasn't, we didn't necessarily need the, the showdown with the dragon to be the last thing, you know? It, 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 es- it escalated it that much more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think, Brando, you did a really good job of using your time to flesh out some backstory stuff as well. Because I wasn't sure what you were going to do when they were already to the top of the mountain and her hand was on the hilt of the sword. And then you went through that exposition in her mind that yeah helped fill some time and add a little bit more to the story. Yeah. Yeah. That little bit kind of clicked in my mind back before I I let into the uh, the cliffhanger, and I just I, I was trying to hang on to it in my mind and, and evolve it as we went through because you know as we go through as as the three of us have to lay down our own narrative here, you know the next person always has to adapt because they could, I had I had several things. Matt, when you were when you were speaking, that you poo pooed, which is fine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because I had a lot of I had a lot of directions I wanted to take with the story, but then you you added 
you know, some of the some of the aspects that you had added, which were great, but they negated what I had in mind. So I kind of had to adapt that. But I, I, like I said, all along, I kind of that clicked in my mind as a kind of a neat way to not necessarily kill time, but also evolve all evolve the story. Because again, like you had said, we got to that mountaintop so fast and we got to that part very quickly. But I think that it ended up kind of cool because you kind of, you know, we kind of Tarantino'd it. You went back and, and you learned a little bit more as to why they were there. But again, the last role changed everything. We thought, you know, as the story was unfolding, we kind of thought that that was the be-all, end-all of of the story was, okay, scale and the dragon, dragon's dead. April 2 gets to rest, dragon gets to rest, that's the end of the story. But the role took the story in a different direction, and I thought that was really cool. Yeah, just imagine, if any other role, imagine what it would have been if it wasn't a test, you know. Clean Kill felt so... Finite. Yeah, such a such a nice, clean little bow on it. Yeah. Anything, I think, knowing that there was one more rule to come, anything was going to throw a wrench in, into that, the ending of that story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to go back to what you were saying, Brandon, about, about having a couple of ideas that you wanted to possibly pursue and then Matt kind of, kind of uh, stonewalling them. Yeah. There are two strategies to playing this game. It's either if you're going to plan ahead, you plan with at least five different contingencies mm-hmm. or you don't plan at all. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I much prefer the don't plan at all because you've got two people going ahead of you. Yeah. yeah. And I think we've talked about this before, that it being a version of, of the telephone game Mm-hmm. Just in terms of you're handing off, yeah, you're handing off that baby for 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 the next fifteen minutes. Yeah, it will most likely look completely different by the time you get it back. It's like I think there's a, a portion of uh, the game Cranium where where you play with Play-Doh, <laughs> and I think it's like I think you you have to you have to build something without talking to your partner. You, you each take a turn, like trying to build something and trying to communicate what it is. And that's what this is. Like I've built this out of Play-Doh and I'm trying to get the point across of, of it's no, it's a dragon. And it's going to eat people. And then you're like, Oh yeah, it's, it's a, it's a worm that is playing jacks. And then Matt <laughs> says, Oh yeah, it's definitely the the lady in the tramp scene with the spaghetti, like without a doubt. And then I get it back. I'm like, what? I have to. Okay, so I don't know why we're doing a scene from Power Rangers, but let's. I'll just roll with it. Yeah. You know, it's 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 the most fun part for me is is seeing how how just bananas it becomes in in terms of the evolution and the taking it and. W- Without us, it is the closest thing we can do to a full-on collaborative storytelling. Like, we're one step away from just sitting down and saying, hey, this is how I want it to go. But it's amazing how different it makes it yeah. without saying this is this is the through line and this is where it needs to end. Mm-hmm. Like, we know where each of our part needs to end, 
in terms of what the role needs to be. But other than that, it's 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 loosey goosey. It's it's wherever wherever our imagine t- imagination takes us. And if if I pass to you and you say something that Matt doesn't pick up on, I can always go back and pick up on a detail that you dropped in. Yeah. As long as Matt didn't kind of brick wall that, you know. Yeah. It is wacky collaborative. Yeah. And it's it's a desperate attempt of like trying to in terms of how I do it of not planning anything, it's it's a desperate attempt of trying to pull all those pieces together in in the moment. That's the challenge of it and and it makes it fun, you know. Was that with a question mark? Fun? Depends on the role. <laughs> but no, I mean it, it that's what makes it very interesting and very challenging is is you are completely at the mercy of first, you know, whatever comes up on the die. Right. And second, whatever the person in front of you says for you to string it all together, you know, keep your ideas and their ideas. You know, if you do it the way that I had done it, I guess is is how I'm trying to put across is if, if you have an idea in your mind and you want to incorporate it, you have to figure out a way to incorporate it or just scrap it all together, like you say, and not really have anything set in your mind at, at, at the beginning of your turn, which I'm learning to to sort of, you know, try. But again, it, like, I, like I said, that's the, that's the fun part about it. That's getting it completely on the fly. Again, in, in, in this small increment of time, too, is another challenge, too. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, with that environment role that we did, I had four or five different scenarios playing in my head where if you had just stopped at any one point, I could pick it up and then you would go past that benchmark. And I was like, yeah, okay, so that idea is gone. And then what's next? Okay, oh, <laughs> nope, that idea is gone. And now what are we going to do? And eventually we were standing alone on a, a you know, a lonely pillar of, of earth. Yeah. Which is not what I expected at all. And, and I find that in my mind, when, when I have a, an idea that I really want to incorporate or a couple, and as the person before me goes, if it, again, like Nick said, stonewalls, you're constantly, your mind is going, son of a, and then they say something else and you're like, oh, what? <laughs> yeah, right. So that it's, it's constantly happening, you know, the ups and downs of, of how to incorporate your, your own story. Yeah, it's... um. It's kind of a it's a it's a practice in listening for for any detail that's going to tweak your imagination and essentially uh, context clues. Yeah, because if even if it's if it's a throwaway comment that Matt makes, it could still inspire me somehow. Yeah. And as long as I'm I'm aware of of his trajectory, I can reincorporate that. Mm-hmm. Unless it's like something that he said about the top of the mountain, and now they're inside, you know, something blatantly that 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 cuts off that path. And and that's something that I'd like to work on too. Is you know, it's not something that I am particularly good at. Is is trying to keep that open so that 
as I'm in between the two of you in my narrative, sort of carrying on what happened first and also leaving it a little bit open so that I'm not totally shutting off possibilities for you. It's it's tough when there's, you know, when there's multiple people adding to a story, you have to try to open your mind to, okay, well, where might they want to go with this? You know, do I want to go right down this one specific road? Because maybe then I'm totally screwing them up and, you know, keeping them from coming up with something good. Yeah. It's really challenging to be able to provide so open an option for the next person in just seven minutes. Yeah. Especially with random dice roll. Mm-hmm. And that's, and I think that's actually the saving grace is we could, I could give you a really straight path that without a dice roll, you kind of don't have anywhere to go with it. Mm-hmm. But we know that there's, there are, what, six or eight options that that dice roll is going to give us that as long as I'm doing my job and, and setting it up so any one of those rolls makes sense, you're always guaranteed to get something out of that, even if it's going to be kind of a challenge to work into it because some, sometimes one of those rolls just doesn't quite jive like the other ones do. But I think that's that's the more fun. We've seen that a couple of times where, thank God, we're not the ones who get the role, but we're we're sweating buckets when, Matt, you're like, oh, yeah, I got that. Yeah. That's fine. I think that's that happened with um with uh, Detention and Dragons, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, oh altruistic. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the very last role. I was, I had yeah. no clue. And you were like, oh, yeah, I got this. Yeah, he picked right up into it. Yeah. That's uh that is you're right though that is the nice thing about the dice roll is although it's very simple and vague concept it's nice that you you roll the die and it gives you this little just this little bit and says okay here's your structure you go ahead from here versus someone just leaving off and you having to completely figure out the direction that's just it it gives you the direction right you know here's the here here's where you're gonna go just tell me how you get there Mm -hmm. yep it's both a challenge and a safety net yeah at the same time i would like to be able to work in and we've talked about this offline but i would really like to be able to work in some more of the details of the characters Mm mm-hmm that we roll in the future, I'd like to be able to, like we didn't address the fact at all that April 1 was a cleric. Oh, yeah. Yep. Or that, A, that Carla had a name, or that, two, that Carla was a ghostwise rogue, you know? Yeah. Yeah, we didn't even go into that at all. We really focused on April 2. This was very mission-based, it seemed like. Yeah. You had to get to the top of the mountain. You had to, to fiddle with the sword. You had to kill the dragon. And it left out a lot of that character development mm-hmm. that I think we've we've done pretty decent with in the past. But I, I agree with you, Nick. There are a lot of things that we just don't cover. You know, I don't mm-hmm. think we've touched the background of anyone almost ever. No. I mean, we we certainly explored the full hero aspect of April 2. True. In our build-up discussion to the story. Yep. But also, like, maybe we don't have to be beholden to it so much because we're giving ourselves so many different pieces 
we just have to accept the fact that we we have a seven seven minute snippet and that's it yep. to tell this story that ends up being like an hour long tops hour 15 yeah so we're giving we're basically we're giving ourselves ammunition we're giving yeah. ourselves fodder and i don't mm-hmm. think we need to terribly beat ourselves up a whole lot yeah about it no but also really. i would also like to me personally i would like be to be conscious. able to to be more aware of it yeah exactly yeah. But this one was, like you said, would you say it was more mission heavy or something like yeah, that? Yeah, it was just it was directed yeah. almost. It it felt like this was the most narrative, for lack of yeah. a better word. This was the most kind of epic fantasy story that we've done, and it wasn't about the characters. No, no, it really wasn't. It was very railroady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Chicken Run was was more character based. I yep. think uh, Detention and Dragons felt a lot more character-based. Yep. And we we set up these characters as great flavor, but we never mentioned April 1 or Carla. They, to me, they were the girls. You know, yeah, they yeah. were their yeah. own unit. Yeah. And they were basically tertiary characters at that point. That's just it. They Because of the time constraint, mm. for one you kind of have to pick and choose who you're going to develop the most based on how the story's unfolding because of their importance. And two, right. had this story continued on, then the girls would be more centralized characters. Sure. You know, I feel like the way that we unfolded this story, they were... I I actually think that had this been a longer story, you know, novel, whatever... I think that actually it was done very well because of that. You're going to read and read and read, and they're going to fly under the radar like, oh, okay, they're just tag-alongs. And then all of a sudden, they are central characters, and they are of the utmost importance in in the plot. The baton is passed, so to speak. Mm. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, because of how short this has to be, of how, you know, our time constraint, they didn't come to light until the very end. But that leaves... Again, you know, as we've seen in the past, that leaves a great amount to the imagination as to where they're going to go from here. And to speak to the full character development, like you said, with Chicken Run and Detention and Dragons, I can I can kind of see that there's a little bit of a correlation between this one was, it seemed a lot more serious and a lot more profound Mm. epic so there was sort of find that you know find that central piece and follow it whereas those other two they were a little bit more on the goofy side and we had a little bit more leeway to just kind of play with each character and and you know see where it took us on each one of those characters because they weren't it wasn't such a long quest where we had to kind of put a lot more focus on what was going on more so than the the characters themselves. I think a lot like our tiefling, I think he was a rogue in Chicken Run. I forget his name. Uh, me too. He was the used boat salesman, <laughs> the, yeah. the intern, whatever. Phil, Lin, something uh, Lindsay. Lin- yeah. Ralph. Uh, Phil? Ralph Lindsay. <laughs> Ralph Lindsay, right. Yeah. So a lot like Ralph Lindsay, that was his backstory before he became Lindsay Ralph, 
this is this is the backstory for the girls. That's all. Yeah. You know, and a lot of the times someone's backstory is them possibly being in the background experiencing whatever event then caused them to to be what they are or do what they do. Basically, this was the prequel to to their series later on. Exactly. This was the Hobbit to their Lord of the Rings, basically. Yeah, I think so. I think, I think that that's one route that we can can take, and as long as we can pull that off, I'm okay with it. I never want to reach the end of one and say, "Oh, what about this character?" Yeah. As long as in the end you can justify everything that's taken place and whether or not you, yeah did go into full detail and why you didn't go into full detail on on a particular character or event. If you can justify it, it's okay because it's such a short piece Yeah, that everyone gets to just let the story completely unfold to its very end in their own mind as they, as they wish. Right. I think, I think we've officially biffed it. If there's one character that that's just not accounted for. Yeah. I mean, we even gave the kobold a purpose. He killed the dragon, for God's sakes. I know. I for, I wanted him to like fall on his knees and worship the god, and I completely <laughs> forgot about him until the until the floor gave way. No, that was great. I loved it. But when he when he came back and 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 put the the scale the scale in, that was that was great. That was a great return. He was probably a bit beat up. Yeah. But did he do that? To kill the dragon? Did he do that knowing that it would kill the dragon? Who, who knows? What did you have in your mind, Matt? What I like to think is that in the the walk up to the top of the mountain, there was something said that uh, maybe this is what we have to do. This is how we do it to to kill the dragon or to, to end this threat. And being that they were newfound friends and, you know, he felt a certain kinship that was his way to help. Like he knew what had to be done. Okay. And it's it was one of those things where I think if this was an actual campaign, it would have, you know, it would unfold over eight to twelve hours and we would get into a little bit more of that on the way up the, the mountain sure. side. Oh my god, this could be a very long campaign. Oh yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And, and I think I matter of fact, I think that we had said that in the last uh in the second episode that with all the detail, all the different sort of details that we unfolded with the roles, that it could be a very long campaign. It could be a very interesting and it could carry on and and not get boring. Yeah. You know, I think any of them could, I think something like detention and dragons was more of a kind of just a cute, cutesy standalone story. Yeah. But even something like like Chicken Run, like a spe- like the speed run. No, what do we call it? Side quest. No, no it was speed run. Speed run. It was speed, speed run. run. Uh, something like like the speed run. We managed to to really to build that out. Yep. Maybe it's by virtue of the fact that we pushed ourselves to do it in that much shorter amount of time. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yep. But I'm beginning to see that there are those those two options in terms of our storytelling it's either that that good little kind of just chunk that you want to listen to or that chunk that you want to be in a part of your campaign yep 
there's one that's quickly resolved and another that leaves you thinking, okay, what's happening next? Yeah. I noticed, at least between these last two that we did, both this one and Detention and Dragons, for example, when we finished the characters of Detention and Dragons, we had a really good idea of what was going to happen and a really good direction already. And I think that's why that was more character-driven, whereas this one, it was pretty aimless until we got to the world-building and I think that might be why it was so much more focused and driven, I guess you could say, in that department. Is because mm-hmm. we had, that was the idea, was this is what had to be done as opposed to these are the characters, let's see them go from point A to point B. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also think, kind of looking back, it seems like the characters in the past, at least two of them have had some common ground. So that, as we were rolling them, automatically our minds were developing the story there because there was common ground, whether it be similar race or backgrounds or or something of the like. Whereas this time, I mean, I'm looking at the at the sheet here and they're all really, really different from one another. So... I feel like as we were doing that, as we were rolling that and, and this all in, unfolded, we didn't have a lot of backstory just from their the characters themselves. We got a little bit from the trinkets, yes. But other than that, it, you know, they were all so very different that we couldn't, you know, we couldn't just automatically say, okay, well, this is a group, you know, these two are in the same group because they're this race. And then that feeds into the story this way. They were, like, again, like I said, they were all very different from one another. Yeah, it wasn't very organic in terms of the relationships with this one. Yeah. Even though we made the two, both April and Carla, as children of the cult, yeah. that was that was thrown in after. that. I think that was one of the, almost the last things that we came up with uh, during the world-building episode. Yeah, I just... It was kind of the the button to validate the cult thing and why yeah. they were there as kids. Yeah, yeah. That being said, like it it didn't strike me as unusual. It felt natural, and I think maybe it felt too too comfortable, and that's why I I, I just kept them lumped together. Yeah. Honestly, I did not going in before we we started the actual storytelling process. I did not see April two as being the main character. I saw the girls, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of running yeah. it, you know. Yeah. I, I think, as you can tell by my first section of the storytelling, now that I think yeah. about it, yeah. Though I will say we kind of lucked out in terms of Detentions and Dragons in that we were down to two characters pretty quickly <laughs> in that one, based solely on dice rolls. And they were the two that had a lot in common. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I That story could have been maybe even similar to this one in terms of how you split the the amount of time devoted to a character if we had three to worry about. Yeah. And even, even, even losing Jasmine so early on, they still, like the bulk of the storytelling was around her yeah. goal. <laughs> yeah, her yeah, quest. Yeah. Because they're just naive kids. That's the funny thing, too. You know, looking back on on the roles and how it, the direction that it took us on all of these stories, you know, you have little bits in your mind of another direction that it could have gone, but 
it just really feels like the way that we have rolled all of these, all the at least all that I've been involved in, I that I know of, they just it's like they came out perfect. You know, they they laid the story out in such a great way and perfect, not necessarily perfect in the way that that's where I thought it was going to go, but perfect in the way that it truly ended, unfolded, you know, and everyone took it in the, it just seemed like the right direction after the role. It was just, it came out perfect. It still created a good narrative. Yeah. Yeah. In the sense that we made it work. Absolutely. There's never been a a moment of like really trying to jam that puzzle piece in. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that can be attributed to a lot of things. And who knows? I mean, we, we may we may see that point, but I don't know. I think the more that we do this, the better we'll get at it. And I, I there, there's a, a certain part of me kind of deep down that's a little worried that we may start to to get repetitive. But I think maybe there's enough randomness that it's going to be really hard for us to to run out of ideas Although we did just see two cults in a row with floors collapsing. Yeah. Yeah. You're at the mercy of the die. And there there were so many other cool environment options on top of a mountain with a dragon god. Yeah. You know, I was hoping for like wind yeah. or something. Yeah, that's what I was planning for was something like, like that. Like just beats his wings and, mm-hmm. and knocks everybody off. You know, it's that it's yeah. it's that simple. But it, it's it's like we've said before, it's it's that roll of the die, and and no pun intended, we roll with it and 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 tweak accordingly. Well, and then, and that's what makes it kind of cool is that you roll, and even though your mind was going somewhere, and even even though all of us, again, I thought the same thing: the gust of wind would have been perfect with the wings and and whatnot, but. I think that makes the story even better when it takes it away from where the narrators are thinking because mm-hmm. yeah probably at least 8 or 9 times out of 10 what we are thinking would be the most obvious you know development path is is probably what yeah. everyone else is thinking too okay it's a dragon it's got wings it's going to blow the wind whatever it's on top of a mountain whatever yeah but that's what makes it very unique in a 20-sided die. There's no, there's almost no telling what you're going to find, what you're going to have. Right. And where the story goes. And that's the, that's the great thing about this game. It stretches those creative muscles in, in your mind and it makes you think on the fly. And it makes you, uh, honestly, I, I feel it makes you a smarter person. It's it's just it's like doing exercises. Every time you do it, you get smarter. You learn how to get quick on the draw, and you learn how to you know roll with the punches. I think that's a good place to end it. Um, anybody want to say anything else before we wrap up? Anything that we that we missed or, or anything like that? I think we got everything. Yeah, I think that was a, a good, both a good solid story and a good solid um, good solid wrap up. Alright, so that is not only wraps up our story, but that wraps up this arc this month. That is the the tail end of our uh, narrative conclusion. 
Come on back next week for the new month. We're going to start April. We're going to start a new story arc altogether, and we're going to start right from scratch with our character creation. The usual spiel, spiel, the usual Steven Spielberg. Thank you for listening. We, We genuinely appreciate it. We do this so someone other than us can get can get a giggle out of it or get an idea or a little inspiration or something. And if you do enjoy us, please, we would appreciate some rating and some reviewing and some subscription on whatever platform that you choose. I am Nick. I'm Matt. And I'm Brandon. And we are the Brothers McGill, and we are the hosts of Rigged, the Random Idea Generator cast. We'll see you guys in a week. Rigged is a proud member of the Feckless Momes Audio Network.